It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. When two major tribal organizations pulled out of the Alaska Federation of Natives two weeks ago, many wondered how AFN's board would respond at its quarterly meeting last week. But as KNBA's Rhonda McBride reports, the state's largest Native organization is saying very little and is asking its early leaders to do the talking. After AFN held its quarterly board meeting, it announced it was looking ahead to this year's convention and only made brief mention of the departures. Instead, it asked a few of its founders to reflect on AFN's history. Emil Nadi, the first president of AFN, said he was glad to speak, especially to address today's leaders. They're living the dream that their grandparents sacrificed for. Sacrifices, Naughty said, that came at a great personal cost for AFN's early leaders, who went mostly unpaid for their efforts. Some even mortgaged their homes, and they weren't alone. Native families across the state gave what few dollars they had to help AFN win one of the largest land claim settlements in U.S. history. Naughty says today's leaders have good educations and high-paying jobs, things they take for granted. AFN is a gift to them from their ancestors. The sudden exit of the two tribal groups brings the total number of organizations that have left AFN to five, including three influential native corporations. But Clinkett and Haida's departure from AFN in particular has been a sore point for early leaders like Emil Nadi, who cast the deciding vote to allow Southeast Alaska natives to join AFN. Other regions opposed the move because Lincoln and Haida had already received a settlement for land claims. But Nadi says that amount was far too small and unfair because it didn't include land. He also felt the inclusion of Southeast natives would make AFN a stronger organization. Rosita Worrell, who also spoke to the AFN board, agrees. It was that unity of Alaska Native people coming together. What would have happened if AFN moved ahead without the largest region? Worrell is head of Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, a nonprofit founded by Sea Alaska, the regional corporation for Southeast Alaska. She says Lincoln and Haida's departure from AFN affects both Sea Alaska shareholders and tribal members who should have been included in a wider conversation. None of us had any inkling of it. Both tribal groups have said their needs have changed and believe they can be more effective advocating for their own interests. But World says she and other Native leaders are left wondering if this move was meant to undermine AFN's longtime president, Julie Kitka. World hopes this isn't true because she says Kitka has been highly effective. She pointed to AFN's Alaska Day Summit in Washington, D.C. this March, which gave a large group of Alaska Native leaders a chance to sit down in the same room with six White House cabinet members and four generals. We have someone at the leadership helm who can pick up a phone and call the White House and can command that kind of presence of national leaders. Included in that Alaska Day Summit was Lincoln and Haida's president, Richard Peterson, who says he hopes to continue to work with AFN despite the change in membership status. I, I get that it's a big deal, but it's really not a big deal. 
to me, this wasn't an anti-AFN move. This was a pro-Clinkett and Haida move. Peterson says if AFN needs Clinkett and Haida's support on issues they agree upon, it will be there to help. Don't be surprised to see me walk in the halls at AFN, and I just won't be voting. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. Bristol Bay's commercial salmon fishery can be fast-paced and crowded. Many local fishermen staunchly support a regulation to keep the fishery's competition in check, a rule that limits the size of the boats. And the fleet got a finger-wagging from the Alaska Wildlife Troopers earlier this year, a reminder to keep their boats within that limit. As KDLG's Izzy Ross reports, the issue is top of mind as fishermen get ready for the upcoming season. Commercial boats must measure 32 feet or less to fish in Bristol Bay. But Captain Aaron Frenzel says wildlife troopers received more complaints than usual about larger vessels last year. So after the season, they went over to boatyards on the east side of the fishery, King Salmon and Naknek, to see what was going on. A lot of the stuff is below the waterline that we can't see on the water while we're out on the water inspecting vessels. So we started seeing some areas that have just kind of expanded. Those boats were a little bigger than what's allowed in regulation. The troopers decided to raise awareness among the fleet ahead of the next season. In February, they published a public letter outlining exactly what is included in the 32-foot measurement. Frenzel says they hope fishermen will bring their boat lengths into regulation this year, and troopers will be paying closer attention to what he calls performance-enhancing additions things like outdrive mounts or hull extensions. Maybe a vessel that's actually 34 feet in length um, or has some kind of adaptation that provides a significant performance benefit to the vessel that's beyond the allowable length. Those are the type of vessels that we'll be taking a closer look at this summer and determining if we need to take enforcement action on. Frenzel says troopers won't be targeting boats for transgressions due to safety or quality equipment. Bristol Bay's 32-foot rule has been a point of debate in many Board of Fisheries meetings over the years. Some fishermen argue that bigger boats could allow for more efficient harvests, better quality, and more money. But others say they would disenfranchise the local fishermen, who may have smaller boats and may not be able to buy into a more competitive fishery. So why did people start calling out bigger boats last year? Frenzel remembers what one fisherman told him. Everything kind of was like an accordion. It got stretched out here and there until all of a sudden there were some vessels that were so stretched out that the flag started being flown by other fishermen. And um, that's what we started looking at. Frenzel says the fishery has also changed a lot in the past 20 years. Newer boats have equipment that may make them a little bigger. This isn't the first time troopers have focused on the issue. Tom Glass is a commercial fisherman who lives in Dillingham. He says troopers were cracking down on the 32-foot limit in the early 90s when he was working as a deckhand. And some fishermen went to drastic measures to comply by shortening the bow of their boat. Some would just grind off a couple inches and others would cut off like two feet. They were too long by two feet or maybe more. At one point, Glass says, someone took a cut-off boat nose and threw it in the brush near the AC store in downtown Dillingham. And after a while, there's a whole pile up in that area there of noses from the boats. It's just kind of funny, everybody getting their their noses cut off that season. Glass says there are plenty of those boats still around. Some of the fiberglass vessels have caps bolted on with the help of some sealant, while aluminum boats are welded up. Today, Glass says he's happy with the 32-foot limit, 
though he could definitely use an extra few feet in his engine room. Right now, he says, it's pretty crowded. In Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross. Plastic, wood, fishing nets, and buoys are just some of the waste that washes up on even the most remote parts of Alaska's coastline. Now, programs aimed at cleaning up that marine debris are getting a funding boost from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, thanks to an influx of grant money from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. As KMXT's Kirsten Dobroth reports, some of that funding will beef up marine debris cleanup in Kodiak. Nearly $14 million in federal funding is earmarked for two separate programs aimed at cleaning up marine debris in the state. The money is distributed through NOAA's Marine Debris Program and funded by the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed in 2021. Peter Murphy is Alaska's regional debris coordinator with NOAA. He says the new programs go beyond cleaning up existing debris. But also prevention, finding ways to reduce how much is getting to the ocean because at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to clean our way out of the problem. A portion of the funds will go to the University of Alaska Fairbanks to establish a center for marine debris based in Kodiak. That will serve as a kind of headquarters for marine debris removal projects across the state. The center will eventually be able to process and recycle debris that's shipped there. The other project is focused on removing abandoned fishing gear from Chesapeake Bay on the East Coast. More than half the funds will go to that project, but it will also include a grant program that organizations in Alaska can tap into. Murphy says abandoned gear is a problem across the country, and it has a big impact on fishing. For instance, a study in southeast Alaska showed that abandoned crab pots were still catching crabs and other marine animals years after they were lost. Fishing gear is a specifically impactful type of marine debris um, because once it gets lost or abandoned in the marine environment, it does what it was intended to do. It continues to catch animals, but it does so indiscriminately. Money for both programs is included in the bipartisan infrastructure law for this year, and both the marine debris and fishing gear cleanup programs are set to start this summer. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Monday, May 22nd, 2023. Today, partly sunny with a high near 49, west winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 42, west winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. And looking forward to tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 51, north winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, becoming southwest in the morning. You're tuned into your community radio station, Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Good morning.